Okay, you're up. So I've got a little secret from my childhood I'd like to confess. I was in the Cub Scouts, and we always held our meetings in the gymnasium of the school I attended. One night, we all went to different sections of the school, possibly for a scavenger hunt or something, and I wound up in the office belonging to our French teacher. As a gag, I thought it would be funny to rearrange a bunch of items in the room, like knock some of them on the floor, and just generally put stuff in the wrong place. Oh my god. I thought it would be hilarious <laughs> if she showed up at school the following morning and was confused about why everything was so different. <laughs> well, when the French teacher did show up, she completely flipped out. The school had to give everyone a big lecture, our Cub Scout troop would now be forbidden to leave the gymnasium during our meetings, <laughs> and I think some kids were interrogated about the whole thing. But for some reason, they never got around to questioning me, probably because I was the last person they suspected. So the identity of the person who messed up the French teacher's office remained an unsolved mystery. But after 30 plus years, I can finally confess, <laughs> it was me, I did it. Thank you. Now I can sleep again at night. <laughs> this episode contains adult language. Can you tell us what catfishing is? Catfishing is appearing online and not being your genuine self, so something about you isn't true. Your pictures, the conversation, just putting a false image, I guess. Today, an introspective story and confession from a woman who was a teenage catfish. Very glad to have you here. I am ridiculously shy about this. I'm <laughs> trembling a little bit. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to come clean about this incredible secret that you used to catfish people. Yes. Yeah. Can a catfish have real feelings? And if she does, how does that work out? Hello, my name is Amber, and my secret is I used to catfish people during my teenage years. It took me to some pretty strange places. Amber's going to tell us who she talked to and how she pulled it off. And so I had some kind of science to it. What were your catfishing years? About 14 to 17, so three years of my life. And we'll hear about the impact it had on her life. How many online relationships do you think you had as a catfish? <laughs> <laughs> a ridiculous amount. I would say maybe like 30 or 40. Wow. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Amber, welcome to The Secret Room. Thank you. How many people know your secret? Ooh, good question. Honestly, probably just you. I think when I think about those periods, I think that I was going through a lot as a teenager. It's also something really embarrassing to admit to people, and it's so close and personal to my heart. And I don't think it's a part of me any longer. It took me a while to actually remember that I did this, and I did this constantly during a period in my life. What made you remember it? Two things. One of them is because of the show. You know, I'm a pretty honest person. And when I thought, if I had a secret, what would it be? Um, instantly, I thought nothing. But then I dug a little deeper and I thought, what really wouldn't I want people to know about me? And this would probably be it. How did you feel when, when that memory came bubbling up? 
it felt great to know that I am no longer that person. But during this period in my life, I could recognize, I guess, insecurities that I felt back when I was a teenager and have had quite the weird two years emotionally. You know, the feeling of those same um, emotions have come up recently and it's kind of a trip. What were those? I think not being okay with myself. I think I need to go back a little bit. I am an immigrant. My family moved here from Africa when I was 10. Like many immigrant children, my parents were super strict. My whole teenage years, I went to church, we went to school, and we were home. (laughs) Super exciting. And I remember just kind of struggling with like identity, right? You know, as a young teenager, as a woman, you want attention, but you can't figure out how to get it. Or you want to be beautiful and you can't figure out how beautiful you're supposed to be. It was pretty confusing to me. So I was wondering what the gateway to catfishing is. You know, were you, what what led you to this? Boredom. <laughs> I guess you're kind of um, grasping around to figure out who Amber is, right? Mm-hmm. And you go online. So how how does all this start? Chat rooms, chat rooms, right? AOL chat, Yahoo chat, everything. And I think the biggest thing or the biggest lure was it about it was I can be whoever I want. So I am a pretty social person. People are naturally drawn to me, uh, my positivity, my spirit, whatever it is. Being this person online, it worked and it worked well, right? I wasn't really getting any attention from boys in high school. And so I would go online and people seemed to like me. If you're the same person in life as you are online, how do you explain that people are attracted to you online but not in person? And so I think this were some of the things I struggled with. So I went to a super small private school. My graduating class from my high school was 60 people. I felt like I wasn't society's idea of what beautiful was. You were an immigrant look a little different from the other people around you absolutely you hit the nail on the hammer i always fuck up that phrase when i say it but (laughs) i think i got it right this time (laughs) hit the nail on the head but we we understood oh oops i did fuck it up (laughs) it's the immigrant in me i'm gonna blame it on that so you're at school and and you're kind of an outsider yeah because of your appearance your race your culture where you come from all those things again it just felt weird. And don't get me wrong, I had friends, but dating wise, I didn't always feel like the first choice. And it felt weird as a teenage girl, because it seems so important. And it seems like what you need to do to be normal. And so it was really interesting, my first experience, right? You know, when you start talking to people, they're asking for pictures. Okay, well, I need a person that's pretty. And I remember Adriana Lima, the Victoria's Secret model. Okay, perfect. Reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. (laughs) And I would Google pictures of her. And it was weird because when you Google pictures of her, it's like modeling pictures. I needed something very casual. (laughs) Right. You needed something that looked believable. So I would find like tabloid pictures of her, her doing regular stuff. And I got called out for that so quickly. Really? People knew exactly who that was? You know what was weird? Some people did it, but I 
do know that I had these very intense relationships with people. So, Amber, you were constructing these this sort of fantasy presentation of yourself, and you sent images that were not you. Mm-hmm. But did you also construct a different backstory about who Amber is? Like, did you present yourself as older, or having a job, or living somewhere other than where you really lived? Um, not at all. Oh. I think maybe when I was 14, I would try to be the appropriate alluring age of 16. <laughs> when you're 14, you think 16 is so cool. Right. <laughs> but once I reached 16, 17, that was the age that I presented to be. One thing that happened is I finally, and this is the part of the story that makes me feel horrible. I finally figured out, you know, the perfect person to be online, right? So when I was in youth group, there was this girl that was ridiculously beautiful. She was, I think, a child model, whatever. And one of the things that was cool is that she was South African. So she was African like me as well. She was just a stunning girl and she seemed like everything I wanted to be. She was that girl that always had a boyfriend or got everything she wanted. And like I said, I went to a really strict private school. It seemed like she had the perfect like. It seemed like she was the prom queen or whatever. I don't know. She just fell out of my league to even be friends with. This was, I think, getting closer to my space days when I realized that I could use her pictures and pretend that that was me. I see. <laughs> wow. So you grabbed her pictures off her MySpace profile. I grabbed her pictures. And then on subsequent trips into the chat rooms, people asked for your photograph and you, you presented yourself as your stunning classmate. Mm-hmm. And people believed Mm-hmm. And people believed because, you know, you have pictures of doing regular things. And it's so crazy, but I haven't thought about this in forever. But I can see in my head the images of her that I used. Wow, this is taking me back. I'm just, I can't believe I did this. What kind of people were you seeking out online? Just teenage boys. Or, you know, sometimes a little older, but they were creeps and it was weird. I just wanted to have a connection with someone I wouldn't have, right? Or my parents wouldn't let me have. Did you stick with people that were local or were you talking to people all over the world? A little bit of both. So another really interesting thing happened. I was talking to this guy and he was a little pushy to hang out with me. And he lived in Los Angeles as well. And he asked what area I lived in and I let him know that I lived in whatever area at that time. And he told me that he lived pretty close and he wanted to hang out. I don't know why I did this, but I let him have my address. Uh-oh. Right? Okay. <laughs> but I also, and keep in mind, this is using someone else's pictures. But I also lived in an apartment complex that was huge. I didn't put my apartment number down. And so I gave him my address and then I he was supposed to come over in 20 minutes and I turned off my phone. Right. Well, there's no way he could find you if he didn't know your number, yeah. your apartment number, and he doesn't know what you look like. You could just walk right by him and he wouldn't know. Absolutely. So, yeah, what happened? 
So I turned off my phone and I left it. And the next morning I turn it on and I receive all these text messages. Hey, I'm here. Hey, like, why aren't you picking up? And uh, he left me a voicemail and I just will never forget how desperate his voice sounded. Mm. And he was like, please don't do this to me. I'm here. I really wanted to hang out with you. You kind of stood him up. Yeah, I absolutely stood him up. (laughs) That's an evil laugh. That's not cool. But (laughs) you shouldn't be meeting random girls from the internet. But I guess that's a thing nowadays. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. He shouldn't have been so pushy. That's what I'm going to say. He shouldn't have been so pushy. Had you told him where you go to school, honestly, and stuff like that? No. Had you made up a different story? So I think I always try to be relatively smart and safe about it. You know, I had one goal, was just to boost my confidence, right? There was no need to tell people that, you know, I go to school here or I do this here. It just didn't come up. There was this person that I actually had a long-term online relationship with. When I knew I was going to speak about my secret, I tried to search in my mail and see some of the things we talked about. So I met him on Yahoo Chat. And I remember the first conversation we had. And I remember his screen name, too. I don't know if I want to say it. I don't want to give his secret away. You can say it and I'll bleep it out. Ooh, nice. Okay. <laughs> it was that, you know, we're patient. What? <laughs> exactly. That's his screen name? That is weird. That was his screen name. What a weird screen name. It was absolutely weird. <laughs> that screen name would indicate he was older. So that was the thing that was interesting. I didn't know what happened at that age. I was, I didn't meet anyone with it. It just, my family doesn't have a history of it. I knew nothing about the disease. And so I thought it was interesting. I was like, that's an interesting scream name. And he's like, well, I use it because then people think I'm old, but I'm not. And he was, I think he was 17 or 18 at the time. Why would he want people to think he was, you know, in his 60s or 70s? Um, I think he thought it was funny. So he was probably on there for a joke or whatever. I have no idea. He was catfishing people. <laughs> You're two catfishes in the same pond. Right? <laughs> you found each other. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I remember our first conversation and he was home from school because he had Crohn's disease. And so he would get really sick at times for long period of times and have to stay home from school. I mean, that was the first time I learned what Crohn's disease was. <laughs> it's a chronic inflammatory bowel disease. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He was, I think he was 18 or 19, but we had this really deep, intense relationship. You know, because I knew I was going to tell my secret, I want to look back in my email and try to see some of the things we would talk about. Um, I think Yahoo Messenger actually doesn't exist anymore. I think they turned that off a few years ago. They did. They did. (laughs) Really hard time getting that data. I think we talked about the random things we did in our days. I always talked to him when I felt like shit. You know, it was a very strong and emotional relationship because, again, as a teenager, I definitely was so far from the woman that I am today. I think our relationship was getting rather intense. You know, he asked me to be my his girlfriend and... 
he lived in Canada. And the thing is, I actually saw what he looked like. So he would send me pictures and his pictures were a little more authentic and honest. And I think that we were able to video, like do a video setup or a video cam or something. But it was one way. He didn't see you. He didn't see me. But we would talk on the phone and we would text. And again, we had these really long, I don't remember what we talked about, but I just remember that during that period in my life that I didn't always feel the greatest. And I remember wanting to tell him all parts of my day. But once I left the internet, it was back to my regular life. But I would come back and unload everything I had. And we would speak about everything. And then one of the things that was pretty interesting was, you know, I was searching very ferociously for our conversations because I don't remember them that well. But I went on Facebook and I searched his name. We're no longer friends on Facebook, but he wrote on my wall, hey, I'm on the bus. And I thought that was interesting because I have no, you know, this is 10 years later. I have no idea what that message meant. We were speaking all day, all the time. I wish I could remember the timeline of what we spoke for, but I think it's something up to like seven months. Mm. It must have been. Who did he think you were? Amber with someone else's photos. Okay. And were all the other details real? Yes. How did you get out of doing a two-way video chat with him? I mean, did he say like, you know, why won't you send me your video back? You know, we didn't have quite the technology that we did today, right? Yeah. Um, no one should be getting catfished in 2019. <laughs> okay. I think it still happens, but... <laughs> it, it does yeah. still happen, and it's unfortunate, but <laughs> you can say, hey, I don't have a... I don't even know what they're called, web, webcams, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a webcam, and one of the things that worked pretty well is because of MySpace, I was able to send these girls photos pretty often, right? And so I had some kind of science to it. So whenever she uploaded a new photo, I could send it his way. And I would also have a very good um, kind of dialogue, a background story to the photo I sent him. Hey, I went to the beach today. I thought you'd enjoy this. So what happened with your relationship ultimately? I think it got to the point that I had to tell him. Oh, my God. We were speaking almost every day, and I didn't feel like I was being so honest. And I was his girlfriend, quote unquote. And it's so interesting because I was only his girlfriend online, right? It wasn't quite a new, you know, I wouldn't tell my friends I had a boyfriend. I didn't tell my friends or my family, you know. Were you dating anybody in real life at the time? No. (laughs) It's so funny because I'm West African, right? So strict West African parents. There's this joke where it's like, you don't have a boyfriend until you're married. (laughs) And so like growing up in the household I did, I wasn't talking to any boys. (laughs) Yeah. Except online. Except online. (laughs) Did your parents ever know what was going on? You know what, Tracy? I actually got in trouble. I used to get in trouble for chatting with strangers all the time. Online or or in person? No, no. Chatting with strangers online all the time, right? When I was in high school, my super strict high school, I think I printed the conversation I was having with someone. My math teacher found it and she gave it to the principal. So I got in trouble with the principal, right? And he was like, hey, you don't do this, blah, blah, blah. So what did you say? I mean, what was in that conversation that, that got you in trouble? It was the beginning of like a chat conversation. Hey, ASL, which is age, sex, location or whatever. And 
you know, I was like, hey, I'm in Los Angeles. It was nothing bad. A lot of my conversations were relatively PG and filled with teenage angst. (laughs) I just wonder why you would get in trouble. We have to think about the time where it was, right? And I went to a very, very strict religious high school. No chatting allowed. No chatting allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our relationship was getting really intense and I was talking to him every day and telling him all parts of my day. And I remember just feeling very, this intense pressure to come clean. And it was really scary. Did you feel guilty? I felt absolutely guilty because here's this person that knew every aspect of my life except for what I looked like. And you genuinely like this kid. I did, very much so. You must have been very scared to tell him the truth. I was overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. I felt really crappy. My stomach just hurt. I knew that I had to. And one of the things, too, is I think I started to have the thought that it doesn't make sense for you to be someone else, right? Like the longer you're wishing to be someone else, the longer you're not you. Mm-hmm. And in life, you can really only be you. You're stuck being you. So I let him know and I was like, hey, I have something to tell you. And he's like, yeah, what's up? Hello, everyone. This is Robin Warder, host of the true crime podcast, The Trail Went Cold. If you grew up watching the classic television show Unsolved Mysteries, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I profile a new unsolved murder or missing persons case and share all the baffling details. Afterward, I provide my own personal analysis and theories about what might have happened. This is a show for true crime buffs who are fascinated by cold cases and love to discuss them and pick them apart in an attempt to figure out the truth. So be sure to check out our podcast to learn about some truly bizarre unsolved mysteries where the trail went cold. If you enjoy stories, or true crime, or both, you'll love the way Robin tackles unsolved cases, and you'll also love his unique insight. And listen for me in this week's show. I join Robin in episode 120. It's about the unsolved murder of Amber Tuckerow. Find it in your podcast app, The Trail Went Cold. And he's like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, those pictures of sadly weren't me. And I think there's this really dramatic break. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I let him know that everything else was, but it was extremely difficult. And I remember, you know, when you have a bad breakup and you don't talk to that person for the rest of the day, And your head is just going crazy. Like, have I lost him? What's going on? Oh, and what I did, actually, I sent pictures of myself. I was like, hey, this is what I look like. This is me. Take it or leave it. And I remember he didn't respond to me or talk to me for a day. I think he just needed some time to think. Yeah, you must have been reeling during that time, just waiting for his response. I was freaking out. Yeah. Um, But he let me know that I was absolutely beautiful and we were able to have a true connection from then on 
So this is the one thing I was able to find in my email was after I let him know and I sent him pictures of myself. Mm-hmm. He drew a picture on paint or something mm-hmm. of the two of us. And it's actually a great picture. I'll send it to you. That'd be great. But <laughs> he drew a picture of the two of us. And he's like, he's like, I, I don't, he said, I'll maybe even send you some emails, like the two emails I found. But it was like, you're really pretty and I'm glad to call you my girlfriend or whatever. Um, yeah. And it was great because, you know, when I look at my pictures, I'm by far not an ugly person. And I don't mean that in a pompous manner. I just, at this day and age, you know, in life, unfortunately, if you're, if you're attractive, you're not, or you're not. And I am. And I don't know why from the ages from 14 to 17, I felt like I didn't want to be me. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> didn't you say why it was at the beginning of the interview? It was because you weren't getting attention from boys at school. And, and that was because you just didn't fit in to what the norm was at your school. Yeah. I mean, and it's true. I do realize that that's exactly what it was. But I think that's not enough to make anyone never want to be themselves. Right. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, I think in the beginning you asked me why I, what made me think about it, right? Or think about this period in my life. And I am 27 going on 28. And it's weird. I would identify this period in my life as like, kind of having some of the same insecurities I had as a teenage person. And it's not that I don't fit in in society. It's just, you know, I think I'm constantly struggling with the idea of beauty and what that is. Now, so far as a woman that lives in Los Angeles, like I said earlier, I know that I'm beautiful. I've had enough like things in life that let me know that, hey, you're beautiful. But I think my frustration with beauty is that it's just a genetic lottery. And living in Los Angeles, we place such a big emphasis on how you look. Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've gained maybe like 15 pounds out of college, but just with 15 pounds, you know, I'm seeing the shift of how people treat me. I think I beat myself up for it a lot. I definitely do. But I am a lot more secure than I was 10 years ago. And so I'm able to handle it in a very um mature way. But it's still a struggle, right? Because I'm not saying I don't want to look like what I look like. I'm also a very proud feminist. This is what it is. I know the things that beautiful people get because I've been there and I struggle with it because I think it's absolutely unfair. Right. But then I know that, do I want to lose, like force myself to lose 15 pounds so that I can go back to getting treated the way I was, you know, like I know that it's just biases, right. Think that some of the things that I get in life is because of my looks. And so it's pretty fucked. I hate talking about it. (laughs) It makes me seem shallow. Well, let me ask you this. You said that you've been struggling with the idea of beauty and and what it is. So what is beauty to you? A genetic lottery. (laughs) Winning the genetic lottery, right? What about, you know, beauty within? 
I'm going to I mean that's that's really what your online boyfriend saw in you I think. I mean, he didn't know your real appearance. He still liked you after he saw your your true image. So, you know what's f- fucked up is that I don't feel like I've received that in so long. And maybe that's some of the reasons I'm having these thoughts, right? Like I have a good amount of friends and friends that love me and if they heard this they would tell me I was crazy. But I think that a lot of times that it's very difficult or I don't remember the last time I met someone or knew someone where it wasn't like, I think that sometimes physical beauty opens a door, you know, and here I am saying that I'm changed from this person that I was 17 years old. But I think that was one thing that really fucked with me, right? Society's idea of beauty you know, I felt like it opened the door and maybe in some ways I still feel that way today because I live in Los Angeles. I know that it does. What are you going to do with this? I'm great and I'm fine and I will always be fine. That's just the person that I am. And, you know, it, I don't want to sound like I have this like ridiculous turmoil. I really like going on inside me. I really don't. But a part of me still identifies with that. 14 to 17 year old me you know I found that when I was 17 a genuine beauty on the inside relationship and maybe one day I'll be able to find that again I wish that for you (laughs) thanks stranger (laughs) (laughs) welcome (laughs) of course so how did your relationship with your boyfriend from Canada and your internet boyfriend I don't remember oh really yes (laughs) I remember nothing (laughs) Uh, have you tried looking for him online since then? Like, do you know where he oh, is? Oh, I do know where he is. So when I did the Facebook search and mm-hmm. checked my stories and saw if his name, his name came up, he's engaged to a very beautiful, nice girl. I am no longer <laughs> attracted to him. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> it made me really happy to see him happy. And it's crazy that I'm talking about him because I don't think he knew or he'll ever know how much he meant to me as 16-year-old, 17-year-old teenage girl trying to figure out how the world worked. Oh, that makes me a little sad. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could reach out to him and just tell him. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't, mm, does it? Doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. It might. It might make him feel feel really nice. You know, you can say, hey, saw you're getting married. And I just wanted you to know how much you meant to me during that time in my life. And I wish you all the best. You're right. I just might. I just might. I bet it would mean a lot to him. I bet it would. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, that that's an amazing story, and I'm really I'm really honored that you shared it here in the secret room. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad I got to talk about this and really dig into my fucked up mind. <laughs> 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 
our catfish Amber ended up having a real relationship with at least one person, even if it was only online. She never did meet JD in real life, though. JD was in Canada, and she was in LA, and that was just a little too far for a couple of broke teens. But I bet they would have met in person if they'd lived closer, and who knows what love might have blossomed. Remember Amber said that external beauty is really just a lottery, and the inner beauty is what counts? I got in touch with her last week to ask if she felt there was irony that she's no longer attracted to JD after seeing him on Facebook. Her answer was that physical attraction obviously plays a role in overall attraction, and the inner beauty, right or wrong, isn't everything, but that it should be paramount. See the drawing JD sent Amber that depicts them holding hands on a grassy knoll looking up at a starry, navy, blue night sky? It's adorable. I'd save that one too. Also, see Amber during her catfishing years, and then as the woman she is today. It's all waiting for you on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Secret Room Pod. Hey, Susie. Hey, Ben. How's it going? What would you think if we had a short mini-season on catfishing? Well, you're always up to something fishy, so I say let's do it. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) So, Susie? I'm just drowning in excitement. Not funny. Wow. That's harsh. (laughs) I'm hooked. Stop. (laughs) Next time on The Secret Room. Another tale from the pond. This time, a woman who was catfished... And you'll never believe what happens in a story that spans 15 years. The only person who really heard me or was there for me ended up being this fucking imaginary person like who lied. Next time on The Secret Room. Robin Warder, host of The Trail Went Cold, said that I could reveal that today's street secret was in fact him. Case closed. And don't forget to hear me on The Trail Went Cold, episode 120, about the unsolved murder of Amber Tuckero. There's no relation to today's guest. Thanks to Susie Lark and Bobby Joe Valdez for their work on today's program. Tasia Kadash is our digital marketing coordinator. Music and theme by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Chet is the sound engineer. Send your secret to us at secretroompod.com. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Pod on. Pod on. Ah, oh God, I'm getting out of this closet now. Is that okay? <laughs>